If you'd join me today in the book of Mark, please. Mark chapter number 10. We continue our series in the book of Mark entitled To Be Like Jesus. Today we find our Lord on the way to Jerusalem. There his life will be consummated. He'll be judged. He'll be condemned. And he will be crucified. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. And we take up with verse number 17 this morning. And the Bible says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, All of these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Our Father today, I pray, in a day and age when possessions and material wealth have a high priority in every life, in this place. Lord, I like being comfortable. I appreciate air conditioning in Texas. I appreciate all the conveniences and all the comforts that you have afforded us in this day. But Lord, I pray that we would not take our eyes off he who give us these things and major on the things. Now, Lord, these folks have come today expecting and needing a word from you. I pray today, speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would please, and I will not be original, but I have never preached anything original anyhow. If it's been original, it's not from God. And so I do not beg of the point today. I'd like for you to look at two words in the text. One Thing. Young man, you lackest one 
thing. Lord, what can I do? Matthew said, what good thing can I do that I might inherit or obtain eternal life? And Jesus said, young man, there's only one thing standing between you and heaven. Only one thing that's got the door shut. Only one thing keeping your mind in such a confused situation. Only one thing, not 12, not 120, not 15, not 5, not 2, not 1.5. What one thing is standing between you and God today? It don't have to be 10 things. It don't have to be 35 things. But I'll bet you every one of us has got at least one thing. One thing we like better than we love Jesus. One thing that's got its hold on our heart. One thing that's keeping us below the blessings of God. One thing. I don't know what it is. But this young man came to Jesus. And had all the credentials if you please. And Jesus said. You lack one thing. What one thing is keeping you out of the services of the Lord? What one thing keeping you singers out of the choir? Well, I'm too good to sing with that bunch. Well, that's one thing. <laughs> it's called pride. Uh, what one thing is keeping you from going so in on Saturday? Well, I, I just got things around the house. No, there's one thing. It's not things around the house. It's one thing. It's right here in your heart. It, it's just one thing. And so here we see uh, this man comes to Jesus. Matthew described him as a young man in Matthew 18 verse 20. Luke described him as a certain ruler. And all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, described him as being wealthy. Thusly, we have a rich, young ruler. A rich, young ruler. And as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, departing from the town in which this man uh, uh, lived, as Jesus left... He must have thought, man, I can't let this guy get out of town with the burden that I have on my heart. I've got something that is begging me to go and find this one that's doing all these miracles. And running down the road after the party of our Lord, we hear a voice behind. Jesus hears a voice, a desperate voice, a running voice, a humble voice, a, a kneeling voice. And he says, good master, and falls at our Lord's feet and says, what good thing can I do? That I might obtain eternal life. That's the question that religion has been asking ever since Cain came to God with the efforts of his own hands. Cain said, Lord, look, 
at this good thing I've brought you. And God said, Cain, you can't do anything good enough. But we all have this idea. What can I do? What can I do? That's what he said. He said, seriously, he said, passionately, he said, sincerely, he said, dear Lord, and fell at his feet and said, what good thing can I do? I wonder today, is there anybody here that's got I can do kind of religion? You see, there's only two religions in the world. The religion of do or the religion of done. Either he did it or it's not going to be done. And he came crying. The young man at Jesus' feet, you see him kneeling there. You see him asking. And and, and let's just assume just a minute Boy, what a prospect for Joshua Baptist Church. Wealthy. Offerings. What could this guy do for our offerings? A ruler. What we need in our church is young leaders. We need young servant leaders. And here, this humble man falls at our Lord. Think of the prospect. My soul. Think what he could do to the offerings. Think of what he could do in our leadership team. Think of what a prospect he could be. Think of the pastoral privileges at the country club. (laughs) Amen, brother. Just think what this guy could do while no one was looking. He could take me to the country club. Introduce me to the hobnobs of all the country. Think what that would do to our church. And who knows? I know members who've bought houses for preachers. Hint, hint, hint. But now if you notice verse 21... Jesus didn't see him as that kind of prospect. Jesus did not see him as a possibility. Jesus did not see his properties. The Bible said Jesus loved him. Wow. Not his junk. Not his achievements. Not his education. Not his rise in society, not as a leader in the Sanhedrin, no, not even as a politician that had all the pull uh, politically. Jesus did not see him as wealthy, did not see him as a ruler, did not see him as, a, as an accomplished individual. He saw him, and what did he do? He loved him. For God so loved the world. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation or a sacrifice for our sins. 
Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Can you imagine, as rotten as we are, as sinful and depraved as we are, God loved us so much that we are sons of God. Wow. I'm glad God loves broke folks. I'm glad God loves rich folks. Because when we broke folks need to borrow some money, thank God the rich folks are glad to loan it to us. Somebody said, I don't believe in credit. Me either. Not as deep as I am. The rich man. The young man. The accomplished man. Came running. Kneeling. Asking. Mark. What shall I do? That I might inherit eternal life. Matthew, good master, what good thing can I do that I may have eternal life? The the question all religion is asking, what good thing can I do? The Buddhist lights his candles and burns his incest while the rich young ruler Cries out, what can I do? The Muslim prays toward Mecca. While this lost young man cries, what can I do? The Catholic confesses his sins to the priest. While this young man says, what can I do? The Hindu makes his pilgrimage to uh, the, the, the Ganges River. While the young man stands aside and said, what can I do? The Lutheran is concerned, confirmed while this man is standing asking, Lord, what can I do? The Baptist says a prayer while he says, what can I do? I wonder, have you ever asked that question? What good thing can I do? Notice, if you would please, the man and his desire in verse number 17. The Bible said, and when he had gone forth into the way, there came running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Notice, if you would please, the person who came. He was rich. Now I like that. I do not think it's a sin to be rich. I think if you're poor, that might be a sin. Because he promised. I wonder today. Are we kind of preferential to rich folks here around here? I wonder if we sit by someone who does not have old spice. 
And we think he might have rode in on the buses. And he don't hardly look like we think he ought to look because he, he don't have a tie on maybe. And maybe his shoes has got a hole in them. Do you think maybe if this rich young ruler came to church and he came and the other man I described came, I wonder who would shake hands first. I wonder who would say has more possibilities in our church. Oh, dear Lord, I want you to look at the man who came. He was rich, uh, and I resent this. He was young. Now, I don't know. This crowd over here got something you guys ain't never going to get again. Just look over here and dream about it. And folks always tell me, preacher, I'd rather be my ages to go back. You lying sucker, you. I would go back and do it twice, bless God, if I could get what these kids have got. Just look at their skin. Not a wrinkle anywhere. <laughs> they don't have to worry about paying the bills. Now they, they don't. All they worry about is getting one of them cars with a turkey on the hood. <laughs> That's all they worry about. This man was rich. He was young. And what's wrong with serving God when you're young? What's wrong with coming to God when you're young? What's wrong with selling out to God when you're young? What's wrong with saving everything God gave you for him? What's wrong with that? Here is a rich, young man coming to Jesus. Not only was rich, he was, a, he was morally clean. Notice Jesus quoted the last six commandments. Did not quote. The first four. The first four has to do with your relationship to God. And the second six has has relations with one another. And so when Jesus quoted these verses and told this young man, he took the six that has to do with morality. Thou shalt not murder. Shall not commit adultery. Shall not covet. Your past, your, your neighbor's wife. That's why you ought to always be sure to move next door to an ugly woman. <laughs> that's not in the sermon, that's free. He's rich, he's young, and he's morally clean and pure. And there's nothing wrong with that, bless your heart. And not only that, he's a, he's a ruler, he's accomplished. Uh, he is on top. If you please, he has it made outwardly. Amen. Outwardly. He's a Howard Hughes, a Donald Trump. Outwardly. Outwardly. Outwardly, he has it made. Outwardly, he's the envy of every little boy in his community. Outwardly, he's who we want our kids to pattern his life after. But inwardly, his youth, listen now, his youth has left him empty. His money has left him unfulfilled. And his morality has not put him in a right relationship with God Almighty. You might call him a Josh Brent. 
an Aaron Hernandez, an A-Rod, maybe Johnny Football. On top of the world, in the news. Oh, yes. Those are our heroes. And here is a young man who's reached the epitome and the climax of all his hopes and dreams. But he came to Jesus. He carried a problem. Accomplished on the outside. But he carried a problem. Inwardly, he's empty. Inwardly, he's ready to commit suicide. Inwardly, the drugs is not fulfilled. Inwardly, football hadn't taken care of what he needed inside. Baseball, with all of its hype and with all of its glory. Why does those guys who gets millions and millions of dollar contracts take drugs? So they can get a bigger contract. My God, once you get to 200 million, what's another million? Somebody asked Rockefeller, how much money's enough? He said, just a little more. Now, when we get down to the final analysis... The word that is missing in all is the word trust. Aaron Hernandez may talk about God. Johnny Football may pray in the huddle. Josh Brent may go to Bishop Jake's church. But that's outwardly. Something wrong inwardly. And the man who came, his desire was to be in a right relationship with God. The person who came and the problem he brought did not afford that. Notice the deception of the man who came. The deception of the man we find In verse 17 and verse through 21. Look at verse 18. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Thou knowest the commandment. Do not commit adultery. The young man said, I haven't done that. Do not kill. I haven't murdered anybody. Do not steal. I've done that. Do not bear false witness. I don't run around telling lies. Defraud not. I haven't done any of that. Honor their father and mother. And he answered and said, Master, all of these have I observed from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and said, Well, you don't have a lot of problems. You just have one problem. Notice 
the man's confusion. What can I do? Now you might want to jot these down. He comes to the right person. Jesus. He comes on the right pace. He's running. Once you find out you need the Lord, you'll run to him. You won't crawl to him. Once you really find out that what you need is the Lord, uh, you'll, you'll crawl, run, whatever you need to do. Notice he came in the right pace. And he came uh, with the right purpose. Eternal life. Hey, let me ask you something. Do you have eternal life? You say, well, I'm a Baptist. No, no, I'm not talking about that. Do you have eternal life? You say, I'm a Methodist. Uh, I'm not talking about that. Do you have eternal life? Do you know for sure, absolutely, 100%, without any shadow of a doubt, if you were to die right now, you'd wake up in heaven. That's what he wanted. He wanted that. He came to the right person. He came at the right pace. And he came uh, with the right purpose. And he came in the right position. He came and was kneeling and said, good master. He was looking for eternal life. But he came with the wrong proposition. What can I do? What can I do? If I were to come to church every Sunday and not miss one Sunday and every Wednesday night every, and come and be here every service, would that be enough? No. What if I started tithing? That would be a miracle. <laughs> Do you think God would take a non-tither to heaven? Let me tell you something. You get to heaven... And you ain't got no lights because you didn't send any money. You had to pay the light bill. Don't you come over my house. I'm not going to let you in. Because you'd steal from God down here. You'd steal from me up there. <laughs> you say, preacher, you're going to make folk mad. Nah, not me. But he came with the wrong proposal. What good thing. Can I do? Listen. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's just no good thing you can do to go to heaven. There's just not enough stuff down here good for you to do to get to heaven. And if you did all the good here that could be done and it was laid on the scales and Jesus on the other side, you'd still come up short. You're not saved and going to heaven because of what we did. You say, but this guy, he is morally clean as a hound's tooth. I know that. He's deceived. I mean, flat deceived. Is there anybody here today ever been deceived about anything? Has your wife ever deceived you? Don't say anything. Just shake your head. She's looking. (laughs) Has she ever cooked anything that she was experimenting with? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like cornbread. 
I declare, I believe my wife tried to poison me the other night when I got back from coon hunting. She come in, darling, would you like me to fix you something when you get back from hunting tonight? I said, well, now it would not make me mad at all if you made a big old cornbread bone. Just, and I'll, I'll put some milk in that and I'll set up and watch the late show until the cornbread is gone. Well, I come back. And there was something on the stove. <laughs> and she's looking right now with me with eyes that you would not. If she's not kneeling at Jesus' feet right now, buddy. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> and I don't know what it was. It was the wrong color. <laughs> I knew as soon as I seen it. That's health food. There ain't no pink slime in that booger. I'll bet you a little pink slime would have added to the taste of that deal. I wasted a big old glass of milk. I took one bite and yelled, poison. The young man is deceived. The law has deceived him. He's a Jew. He's an Orthodox Jew, but he's heard about Jesus and he had adhered to the law all of his life. And he was deceived in the thinking that keeping the law, being good, do, 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 could earn him a place in heaven. And he heard about this miracle worker by the name Jesus. He'd come to town and he'd done everything you can imagine. He's walked on the water He's fed 5,000 with just a few loaves and a few fishes. He's healed the sick. He's raised the dead. He's confronted the elements, and the elements has bowed at his feet like a little whip puppy. And so this accomplished, intelligent, wealthy young man comes running to Jesus with a desire, but he's coming with Jesus with a deception. Now notice, and Jesus said one thing, thou likest. Just one thing. There was one thing standing between Nicodemus and heaven, and it was his religion. Jesus said, you must be born again. One thing standing between Agrippa as he stood there and shook in conviction, one thing stood between Agrippa and heaven. It was his pride. One thing stands between all of us and the Lord. Just one thing. I don't know what it is in your life, but I'll tell you one thing. It's not worth it what it's going to cost. Now let me read on. I want you so to. Verse 23 as we close. And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again, 
saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches. The young man's problem was not his money. The young man's problem was not his youth. The young man's problem was not his accomplishments in society. The young man's accomplishment was who or what was he trusting? God wants us to have things. It honors God when God's people can be blessed and God can trust us with it. It does not honor God when we start trusting in what he's given us instead of trusting in who, who gave it. And the young man's problem led to his decision. First of all, you look at the, the confrontation. The young man came to Jesus and said, what can I do? Jesus said, what have you done? Romans 10, 9 said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you know the rest of it, thou shalt be saved. This young man was trusting in his wealth, trusting in his things. And Jesus said, Hey, look, why did you call me good? Because there's none good but one. You know the answer? God. This man never did refer to Jesus as God. This man never made any reference in either of the Gospels that this man he was speaking to, kneeling at his feet, was the Savior, the Redeemer, the Creator of all the earth. You cannot be saved without you know who God is. It was not wealth that sent this man to hell. It was him trusting in his wealth is what sent him to hell. There was a confrontation. Hey, you want to go to heaven? Who am I? You want to go to heaven? You call me good. You want to go to heaven? Am I more than a teacher? You want to go to heaven? Am I more than a rabbi? Am I more than one sitting on the seat in the Sanhedrin? I am God or not God at all. His conclusion... After all of that, Jesus said <coughs> one thing. In my Bible, <coughs> if you remember last week I preached on children. Listen to this. But I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God is a little child. You remember that? He shall not enter therein. I wrote in my bubble, Bible, bubble. I wrote in my Bible, trust issue. Then over here, with this rich young ruler, same problem. Trust issue. Who and what are you trusting for eternal life? It's late.
But it always is. I remember reading one time, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drowned men in perdition. Just a little Bible study. I thought I'd look in the book of Luke and see if this fella, this young ruler, was ever mentioned before or thereafter. And I thought it would be good to find out if this young man's decision of walking away from our Lord in sorrow and grief, if he ever came back to a saving knowledge. I'm not absolutely sure. But I did find in the book of Luke three mentionings of a certain rich man. Here in Luke chapter 18, we find the rich young ruler who come face to face with the Lord Jesus. Do you know, I have not been able to find another person who came face to face with our Lord and turned his back and walked away. But as a young, successful man, he turned his back and walked away. Then in Luke 12, verse 16, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And to save time, the man said, What shall I do? I'll build bigger barns and store all my wealth. Verse 20, but God said unto him, Thou fool, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Do you realize when you die, somebody else is going to move in your house? And it won't be yours any longer, it'll be theirs. I bet you're saying, I hope they've got the same amount of payments I've got. As a young man, he made a decision. He was deceived. He had a desire, but he made a decision. He turned his back and walked away. And as a successful businessman in later years, His grounds produced so much wealth, he had no place to store them. And he built bigger barns, wanting more, more, more. That's the problem with materialism. It is never enough. Nothing wrong with things now. I like things. If I'm going to buy a shotgun, I ain't buying a J.C. Higgins. I'm going to buy a Benelli. Don't kick as hard. 
I ain't even going to shoot the dumb thing anymore. Kicks too hard for me. I'm going to buy a deer rifle. I'm not buying a J.C. Higgins. I buy cars that I like. You say, do you buy cars you can't afford? Always. I have a problem with materialism. As a sexual businessman, God looked at him and said, you're a fool. I wonder if there's anybody here today. I wonder if there's anybody here today just keeps on making those foolish, self-honoring, self-propagating decisions. And you'll find in Luke 16, another man that Jesus said was rich. Verse 19, and there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple, fared in fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. Verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Too bad he didn't say that in Luke chapter 18 when he came to the Lord running and kneeling. And you do not hear him say, Lord, have mercy on me. You hear him say, what can I do to impress you? Anybody who comes to Jesus and says, have mercy on me. Will have eternal life. And anyone who comes to Jesus. Lacking one thing. Listen to me now. One thing. Not five. Not ten. One. Anything stands between you and God. You better get rid of it. Spend it. Throw it out the window. Shoot it. Step on it. Junk it. Whatever you got. Except your wife. And your husband. Don't shoot them. Now. You say preach are you done? I am done. Now we're going to stand up in a minute. I'm going to sing a verse of invitation. And I'm going to ask you. To tell God. Right here. What that one thing is. Because you do have it. If you didn't have it. You'd be here tonight at 6 o'clock. 6.30. If you didn't have it, you'd be here Sunday, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Amen. One thing. Amen. And that's just between you and God. Amen. If you haven't ever been saved, you bring it. Let Jesus save you today.